First, let me tell you about Built Bar. The age of awful tasting protein bars is over. Thanks to Built Bar. It's now possible to have a great tasting snack without feeling like you have to go and spend an hour in the gym afterwards to make up for it. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Built Bars, they are really, really good. They have nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited-time-only flavor. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie is delicious. Double chocolate is great. Salted caramel is really, really good. Um, get a mix box, and you can try two of each of the nine different flavors. Built Bars, they're healthy. Uh, they have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. You can can't beat it go to built b-u-i-l-t built.com and use the promo code beck 15 save 10 percent off your first order right now at built.com promo code beck 15 Oh, my gosh. Hello and welcome to the program. I am so refreshed after just a couple of days up at Yellowstone. Oh, my. There is nothing more tranquil and refreshing than standing around with 10,000 people watching a stupid geyser. But don't worry. All those people are not on the four roads in the park that is about the size of Connecticut. Yeah. Four roads. I was begging for a bear to eat me yesterday. But I come in such a refreshed good news, uh, good news uh, bringer of, of just delight and joy. I just am so excited to tell you how I feel about Juneteenth. Oh, yeah. In 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So I can't tell you how many people I met uh, out at the park. <laughs> Just, uh, I, really, I couldn't tell you how many people I met because I couldn't count them. Anyway, uh, I was out at the park. Oh, it's, you've got to go. If you're liberal, you are gonna, you should go. Oh, you're going to love it. It's so, so refreshing. Oh, go, go, go. If you're conservative, you know I'm you absolutely sarcastic. Anyway, um, met lots of people uh, yesterday. Kept saying, "How old is your dog? How old is your dog?" My dog is a nine-year-old German Shepherd. Nine is really old for a German Shepherd. We've been lucky enough to have them hold on till twelve or thirteen, uh, but by nine they start to really they start to hurt an awful lot. Unfortunately, Uno. Somebody just last night at dinner. Uh, said, how old is your dog? And I said, uh, nine. And they were like, he has a tremendous uh, grip on my leg right now uh, with his teeth. And I'm like, I know, he doesn't seem like he's only nine, does he? And they're like, no, no, not at all. Anyway, Rough Greens has really helped Uno. Uh, and I I'd like you to try it. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement. 
and you will see a difference. If your dog likes it, my dog loves it, licks the bowl clean. You just sprinkle it on to his food, whatever it is that you're, you're feeding your dog. Um, people, park people is what I'm feeding them, uh, feeding my dog park people today anyway just sprinkle a uh, just a little bit of rough greens on top and see the difference in your dog you can try a free bag of rough greens you'll just get a little teeny uh, tryout bag just make sure that your dog will eat them then order a full bag and get your dog um, onto the rough greens train you, i'm telling you you will see huge difference it's roughgreenscom slash back 833-GLEN33 roughgreenscom slash back Oh man, I don't know about you, but I am I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much from liberals. Uh oh my gosh, these liberal, these white, especially the white ones. I love the white liberal progressive marxists. Oh, they're so enlightened. Um we've been telling you about a little thing called Juneteenth for I don't know, maybe 15 years now. Uh, we, we told you about, uh, the, uh, the Tulsa massacre, Black Wall Street. We told you that, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago. And no one in the media gave a flying crap about it. But now they're all so awoke. Oh my gosh, they're so woke. And they have found Juneteenth and they just love it. They just Love it. And I'm so happy to have them. Oh, yes. I wish, I wish it was at all sincere. Don't you, Stu? Don't you wish that just a little bit, a little bit of their discovery was actually sincere? That would be awesome. Uh, that is not the case. It would it be. It's not where we live today. No. It would be nice. It huh. would be nice if they actually recognize what the holiday does celebrate, which, of course, is the huh. end of the government enslaving its citizens there's a there's a nice thing it was good Mm -hmm. it was good you know i uh i get all of my juneteenth news and all of my history from good housekeeping right obviously (laughs) uh but uh i went right to the source uh for juneteenth uh went right to goodhousekeeping.com and the holiday juneteenth also known as Emancipation Day, Freedom Day, or Jubilee Day, commemorates the date, June 19th, 1866, that tens of thousands of enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, first learned that they were free. Now, you would think that a show that's based in Texas would have been talking about this for a decade, which is weird because we have. But they just discovered this Juneteenth, and they are so all about it. It is so great. In fact, it's even better than the 4th of July, I think. These days, communities around the country celebrate Juneteenth by gathering for barbecues, enjoying red foods and beverages. Enjoying red foods? So it's a Twizzler-based holiday? I don't... don't Is that... Yeah. Hmm. Well, you can also have a pixie stick, uh, which is nice. (laughs) It's a nod to the bloodshed during this transatlantic slave trade. So I like to take um, I like to take red foods or foods that are blue and make them red. It's hard because they generally turn purple. But if you use enough actual blood, now in my family, we like to make red matzah, and we use the blood of Palestinian children. 
which is very... Oh, did I say that out? Oh, my gosh. Mm. Oh, the Zionist master is going to be so upset about that. Anyway... Um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a nod to the bloodshed of the transatlantic slave trade might also be, could be a, a nod to the bloodshed, uh, that killed more people, uh, than, than any other war that we have had, especially here in America, about 600,000 people died. You'd have to go to world war II uh, to be able to get that or, just an average day in any communist country uh, to be able to get that kind of bloodshed where white people fought other white people for the freedom of black people. It also might be a nod to that. Now, Juneteenth has also become an important emblem of the uh, celebration, the Juneteenth flag. Now, I wasn't aware that there was a Juneteenth flag, but according to good housekeeping, it's come to be an important emblem. Now, the flag, of course, you know, this happened, you know, Juneteenth happened in 1866. Texas has been celebrating Juneteenth, you know, for a very long time. Um, But uh, the Juneteenth flag, that symbol that everybody holds so dear, was uh, created in 1997 by an activist known as Boston Ben, uh, who uh, founded the National Juneteenth Celebration Foundation. Uh, He created the flag in uh, collaboration with Verlene Hines, Azim, and Elliot Dez. And it is just to symbolize the liberty and freedom for all African Americans. Now, you would think, You would think that we had another flag that would represent that. But no, we have the Juneteenth flag. And if you look it up, Stu, real quick, it's crazy because it it looks kind of like the North Korean flag. But I'm sure that's a coincidence. It's red, white, and blue. And uh, it's deliberately chosen by by Haith uh, to demonstrate that even throughout enslavement. Now, this, I think, is very important. Even throughout enslavement, African-Americans were always American. Huh. Now, who would have thunk that? I, me? I didn't think that. Lincoln? He, well, he actually did think that, and I did think that, and Martin Luther King thought that. But now we have a flag to represent that. Uh, it has a curved surface on the flag, and it represents a new horizon and possibility for African Americans, possibility. What? Are you kidding me? Possibility. I listened to Don Lemon over the weekend. There's no possibility for any Americans who are African descent. There's Americans don't even see black people as fully human. In fact, let me get. The, I've got to get this quote because it's. It's so spot on, uh, Don Lemon. He said, I feel like I've had to be kind of, you know, talking about more personal things about my life because I don't think America sees enough people like me. We see plenty of liars. We see plenty (laughs) of people who are in the bag for what is he talking about? He says, I don't think America intimately knows enough people like me. And I celebrate that. Um, I really do. I used to know Don Lemon. 
I don't know who this guy is, but I used to know Don Lemon. Uh, he says, I would love America to see black people. Black people, black people. What are those, Stu? I've never seen one. They're quite one? common, uh, Glenn. Uh, they we 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 interact with them often. Uh, it's not a shocking thing. I think Don might think that people in the South have never seen an African American. When actually, there's many Do more African Americans in the South than there are in the Northeast. He says, "I want to see black people." Do we make them into blacktop in the middle of the country? Because I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen a black person before. And he says, especially. Wait! 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 He really wants black gay men to be seen as normal, as human beings and part of the culture. Black gay men? I've never seen a black man. I've never seen a gay man. I've never, of course, seen a black gay man. What kind part of, of our culture? What is he talking about? What kind of vision of this country we, does this guy have? It's so, it's so strange. It's not a vision. Not a vision. A vision that he has learned. That's not the vision that Don Lemon, uh, the guy I used to know, uh, had. That's not that's not him. This is a hateful, um, uh, twisted vision of America. We know black people. We know gay people. We know black gay people. W- what are you talking about? They're not part of the American dream. They're not part of we love. We hurt. We go through trials and tribulations just like everyone. Oh, put it down, Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, do we not bleed? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Oh, I can't take it. Again, I don't like, know I, if America sees. He says, I don't know if America sees black people and especially black gay men as fully human, oh God. as deserving of the American dream. Unbelievable. Un, un, unbelievable. Freaking believable. And it's not to say that, of course, there are people who go through all sorts of things for all sorts of reasons. But like Don Lemon, is he really the guy who's suffering through his life with his multi-million dollar salary on television every night, uh, given nonstop uh, adoration and praise from uh, the left wing media? Is that really is he really the example of the person going through the tough time? I mean, I, I. Oh, he is. You know why? He's being forced to live in a community that's eighty percent white and only three percent black people. I mean, he's he isolated. Is? He's forced to be isolated. Yes. Where does yes. he? Where does he live? Yes. That's eighty percent white and three percent black. America. Oh, Hello, Stu. No, America. <laughs> and I bet those white people are glad to hear that they. I'm glad to see that his neighbors uh, know now that he thinks that they don't see him as fully human and deserving of the American dream. Oh, my holy cow. Okay, so back to Juneteenth. Juneteenth, I think, is a great holiday, and I don't know why people have to denigrate uh juneteenth i don't know why last week the right felt that it it needed to be denigrated um except for the fact that i think a lot of people understood exactly what this was this is the latest marxist move to separate us even further you either celebrate juneteenth as liberation day or you celebrate the July 4th, which is just a white day. Nowhere in the history of Juneteenth is that true. By the way, 
Was it a black man that rode up to the uh, black men and said, by the way, you're all free? No, it was a Union soldier. It was a white Union soldier. Somebody who had been fighting, fighting for the rights of all people to be free that rode up and said, you're all free. You have been for a while. It's just taken us a while to get down here to tell you that. Sorry, the phone hasn't been invented, and we don't let black people text, I guess. Is that was that is that what happened in 1866? This is a great holiday, but not a replacement for the uh, for Fourth of July. And that's exactly what it's becoming. But it was revealed on what it is in many places in America. Don't tell me that I don't care about Juneteenth when I see the celebrations that happened around this country that were an absolute disgrace and and proof positive that shame will never come back to our society. Shame is fully dead and 12 feet under the ground. It wasn't enough to bury shame six feet under. I think we went a full 12 feet. Keep digging. Maybe you'll find it. Maybe you'll find the dead, decaying body of shame. But I doubt it. We continue in 60 seconds. When somebody in your house asks, what's for dinner? Isn't it a great feeling just to open up the freezer and see a bunch of options? No expensive restaurant for dinner. No having to go to the store and waste an hour trying to put a meal together. You just grab what you want, and you're good to go for the evening. Omaha Steaks. America's Butcher is committed to making that happen for you right now. For $99.99, you're going to get 28 of Omaha Steaks' favorite entrees, including eight free filet mignon burgers. Think about that. 28 entrees for 99 bucks. You have any idea what that would cost you in a store or a restaurant? We're talking about the best stuff, the premium stuff. Things like four bacon-wrapped filets, four premium Boneless chicken breaths, the uh, the uh, delicious caramel apple tartlets, and don't forget eight free filet mignon burgers on top of everything else. It's an unbelievable uh, uh, offer at a price that is even even more unbelievable. Fifty nine percent savings. Just go to omahasteaks.com, use the keyword Beck, and order a summer grill pack. Plus, get eight free filet mignon burgers at omahasteaks.com, keyword Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. This is fantastic. Uh, Forget 4th of July, says the Daily Beast. It's time to celebrate Juneteenth. June 19th, also known as Juneteenth, is the newest federal holiday recognizing the emancipation of the last state of enslaved black Americans, notably years after Lincoln's proclamation. Juneteenth is a day for all Americans to celebrate, marking an important milestone in our country's progress. Okay, so forget 4th of July. It's time to celebrate Juneteenth. Now, if this is such, let me quote again, good housekeeping. It's a celebration of black freedom. Uh, and it is uh, 
representing new opportunities that lie ahead for black people. And in fact, it is something that uh, these days are celebrated by gathering for barbecues, enjoying red foods and beverages. Uh, and it is it is really something to commemorate June 19th. OK, so how did they do it? Let's go to Oakland. Um, here you see people uh, twerking on top of a uh, on top of an ambulance. Now I don't know, but I think all of those free slaves would be so proud right now, so very proud. Now don't worry, don't worry. Um, you know, shots rang out, and uh, they were just celebrating the end of slavery in America. And the bullet struck six victims between the ages of 16 and 27. A 22-year-old died because they were so celebratory, uh, just twerking and showing their junk uh, on top of that ambulance that it could no longer proceed to the victims of the shooting, which I think is, oh, man. Can I tell you something? Frederick Douglass is shedding a tear right now. He is shedding, I mean, a bucket of tears. He is so proud of all of the celebrants of uh, Juneteenth there in Oakland. Um, Now, the, the mayor said, Tonight, a joyous occasion at our Lake Merritt was marred by a senseless act of gun violence. It was senseless, um, and including uh, the EMS worker that was shot in Raleigh, North Carolina, being shot while uh, responding to a child who was in need of medical assistance. And a 19-year-old woman in, in Flint, Michigan, uh, opened firing on a police officer that was just working at a, at a traffic uh, point, just trying to direct traffic. Um, he was shot, and uh, then he returned fire, but she died. She died so there's an investigation going on about that one. Is there no shame in our country? Stand up, America. Stand up. Now, people say that there is not the fundamental transformation going on in America. That, that this whole critical race theory, oh my gosh, that is just white propaganda. Is it now? We'll give you some facts and facts on BLM next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, you know, I'm guessing that maybe uh, it wasn't so relaxing there in Yellowstone Park. All right. Here's what I want to talk to you about, Built Bar. And I want to talk to you about Built Bar because if you have self-control at all, at all, and you're trying to lose weight and you want something that to snack on that is really healthy, and delicious that is almost impossible those two things they always say they come together but they don't until i tried a built bar built bar is something that is made with 100 percent real chocolate unlike most of the protein bars out there they don't they don't taste like uh i don't know a bag of rocks or you know they say you have to eat a pack of dirt before you die and maybe a penny no none of that is found in built bar just delicious ingredients And they are low-calorie, low-carb, high-fiber, and high-protein, and all of the flavor. Flavor. Go to Built.com. B-U-I-L-T. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. You're going to save 10% off your next order at Built.com.
And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn. Ten bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I, I have got to talk to you about my, oh, my national park experience yesterday. Oh, my blood was shooting out of my eyes. No, it's a great family vacation. Put your kids in the car and just drive across this glorious nation and hit one of our national parks. Oh, the majesty. I was praying for a bear to eat me. But we'll get into that here in just a minute. I uh, do want to just point out that Evanston, uh, Illinois, uh, Evanston, you are, you, no, seriously, you're fantastic. Um, they commemorated the uh, abolition of slavery with a parade and a community celebration on Juneteenth, the day of which uh, abolition of slavery is annually uh, celebrated, uh, you know. We all do it. Everybody does it. The whole country knew about this this Texas Juneteenth thing, right? We all knew it. Um, but uh, they had a celebration with a parade and music and art and food at a local park. Now, they want you to know that the Gay Pride Parade is happening next Saturday, June 26th. However, there is a change in the schedule. They have had to cancel the July 4th celebration due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, they are, they say based on, I'm quoting, based on concern for public health due to the unpredictability of the pandemic's impact, the vaccination rates, and in cooperation with local authorities, the trustees of Evanston's 4th of July Association has decided to cancel the fun run, the parade, the uh, uh, the concert band performance, and the fireworks show on July 4th. Uh, but they are committed to doing one that's even better next week, one, or next year, once this pandemic is over. They're going to be. But they had the, the, the Juneteenth celebration. Uh, oh, yeah, and it had a parade, had okay. music, had art, had all these food booths that everybody could go to at the local park. It was great. But they had and don't to... forget, the Gay Pride Parade is is next weekend. So mm-hmm. they, they had Good a point. Juneteenth mm-hmm. celebration and a, a Pride celebration that's coming up. But the thing that's the next week yes. following that, after with more time to, to be able to deal with COVID. And... Yeah, pandemic. It's so unpredictable. So very unpredictable. Um, well, it seems like you're making a very clear prediction it that it's that it's going to not what? exist this week, but then start again for the July 4th holiday. Are you saying that there's some sort of. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is this is where Chuck Todd is so right. You know, Chuck Todd, thank goodness. Finally, somebody said it uh, came out and said all this critical race theory, all this, you know, hey, they're changing everything about America. This is all a, a, a Trump plan. This isn't actually happening. This is just ginning up white people. Let him say it. Here it is. Specific to this idea of critical race theory, I have to tell you, I just spent some time reporting on this county in Virginia about an hour outside of Washington. And, and to your point, this is something that is mobilizing people and sure resonating very deeply. It was about a 100-degree day, dozens and dozens and dozens of parents, mostly white in this largely affluent county, showed up to a school board meeting. For many of them, the very first school board meeting they'd ever attended, specifically because of this one issue. 
That's important to note it, it, that you mentioned critical race theory a couple times. This is a parent-led backlash at the grassroots level. It's, and a bit, it's manufactured. No, it's, the it's completely. And, it, and then sort of elected seems to have been lit. The fire was lit. I, I disagree. Yeah. I think it started because p parents have had it with the education bureaucracy after COVID. Mm -hmm. They're fed up with it. They tend to trust Democrats when it comes to education funding, but they trust Republicans on education accountability. I think that what the backlash you're seeing on critical race theory in schools is another example of parents trying to hold educators accountable. It's coordinated. It's aggressive. It's intentional, right? This is this is part of the the, the tribalism no, play. Right. The critical race theory is is yet another tool in the in the in the, in the racial tribal boogeyman's toolbox to drive oh. and inflame tribalism, which Republicans think thinks helps them in, in, in elections. This is this is this is Trump 2.0. Oh this is a, is a, is a continuation ah. of this, right? Critical race theory is is an arcane sort of ideal. Why is it front and center right now? The same reason that Mitch McConnell attacked Stacey Abrams when she came out for the, for, the vote, for the voting bill. It is racial, it is tribalism. Oh. We've seen it grow under Trump, and this is part and partial of it, and they think this helps ignite their base. Mm -hmm. There's no way mm -hmm. this is not mm -hmm. grassroots. And Brad, you know this is organized and is being paid for. Oh. Mm. Yeah. At some point, well, did they Chuck develop Thompson, a new uh, argument? Is there a point at, at any time, did they come up with an argument they weren't making 50 years ago? Is that is this, at any point do they develop I don't know what one you, new point, one new argument? One I don't know new what thought. you mean. Uh, how how do you mean? Uh, this oh. is a totally new argument. Critical race theory is an arcane idea. It's not really. It's not. Doesn't exist. All these white people are being ginned up by the GOP. It's so ridiculous. It's all about politics. This isn't about anything real. It's not really. It's it's interesting because. You look at all of the materials that have been unearthed uh, by people like Chris Rufo. And I mean, going back to, uh, you know, James Lindsay, you talked to a couple of years ago uh, covering a lot of this stuff. This has been flowing through academics first and has now gone to uh, all all elements of society. I mean, people are going to work at, you know, fast food restaurants and learning about critical race theory. And we know that only because brave people have decided to uh, to uh, unearth this and and, and, and send. Mm -hmm. No, no, uh, not at all. And what's interesting, too, is that w without covid, likely we wouldn't know half of the stuff that we know now. The re one of the reasons yes. why this happened is because people were at home taking these seminars instead of at work where they couldn't comfortably film uh, or record all of the materials and send them to reporters uh, who were cared about this stuff. Instead, they were home and they were on Zoom calls and they were able to get a lot of this material and send it to people who were able to bring it to America's attention. And when you see this stuff going into schools, we've seen it in Texas, Glenn. Major controversies in Texas where, uh, you know, families are pointing out this incredible, what I would call nothing but racism uh, against uh, different groups than, than had previously been uh, the victims of it. But the bottom line is it's still racism. It's still judging people by the color of their skin. And that sort of stuff is, is supposed to be what we're avoiding. This is being taught to teenagers, to kids in schools all over the country. And if we don't stand up and do something about it, it will become the norm. And yes, it is. It is yep. absolutely parent they, and student led. It is. They need that. The, the, we have hit 
uh, critical race theory. Critical is the key word. Whenever anything is critical, it's usually uh, a Marxist study. Um, but in this case, it is uh, critical medical attention needs to be paid right now. This is so important to the left. If this fails, if we succeed in getting this squashed and exposed, because unless you expose it, unless people know what it is, and they're saying, well, it's an arcane theory. It's an arcane theory. Really, it's being taught at Harvard. It's being it started at Harvard. And it is a an arcane legal uh, uh, idea. But it's it's not just legal. It, the, the, uh, the people who actually came up with critical race theory talk about it as a movement, a political movement. So it may have started out at Harvard Law School, but that's not what it is today, according to the founders of critical race theory, the people who designed it. They know this is a way to destroy everything that is America. Destroy it. They know it. And it's very interesting to me that our president, uh, Barack Obama, is out on the stump again, trying to... uh, I'm sorry, I've just told Joe Biden is our president. No, that's not true. Barack Obama is still our president. Uh, Barack Obama is the one and his team. I mean, he said 80% of his team is the one uh, are, are there at the White House. And he, Joe Biden is just finishing the job he started. So that's why he's out on the trail. And that's why he's trying to say to you, oh, this critical race theory, there's nothing to it. You you can't lie to us about this one. This isn't health care. You know, you know, no, you're, oh my gosh, you're going to save so much money. The average family is going to save so much money. Uh, that didn't happen, did it? Didn't happen, did it? You're going to be able to keep your doctor if you love your doctor. Didn't happen, did it? Well, we had to project in the future, and it came down to who do you trust? And Barack Obama is so likable. He's so great. This one, we have evidence. Our children are experiencing it right now. You hear anyone say that this isn't a big deal? They are either completely out of touch or they are lying to you. The press is circling the wagons around critical race theory because they know it is critical for their plan to go through. If they can't finish the indoctrination of the next generation, America survives. If they continue the indoctrination, America is over. It is just that simple. Back in a minute. Since the pandemic started, 20% of homeowners have refinanced their homes. 20%. Uh, it's a smart decision. If you did it, you likely saved yourself hundreds of dollars a month. Now the question is, are you one of the 20%? Are you one of the remaining 80% that just haven't gotten around to it yet? Please, please. There are a few things that you can do that are vital, vital. One is getting those big, heavy, high-interest credit card debts out of the way. Roll them up into your mortgage. 
Also, if you can refinance your mortgage, do it. Do it now. Do it now. 80% are still sitting on their hands. Mortgage rates are going up, and they're probably going to go way up. Um, the, uh, the Fed is now saying that they're going to start uh, raising the rates. If they raise them, you know, to 3%, you're not going to be paying 3%. You're lucky to get a loan right now at 3%, and it's going to get harder and harder to get one. Please do it now. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're really glad you're here. Did you see the ruling from the, I mean, you want to talk about sexy, sexy talk here. The parliamentarian in Congress and the Senate and what they said about the budget reconciliation. Wow. I mean, I, you're almost too enticing. I don't know if I can handle this. Uh, when you're talking right? parliamentarians and bu- budget reconciliation talk. Oh, man, that is hot. Well, can I t- can I tell you something? Let me let me unbutton another button on the shirt. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth McDonough, uh, she uh, she had the uh, she wrote the opinion from the Senate uh, for, for the Senate. And uh, Chuck Schumer said this is a way for us to to pass all of these things that we want. And she said, no, it's not. And he said, Oh, yes, it is. And she said, no, it's not. Mm. And he said, yes, yes, yes. And she said, no, stop being such a bad boy. Mm. Uh, apparently, she has ruled that they can't stuff everything into Reconciliation Acts, which means they're going to have to uh, pass a giant bill that they'll never get passed. They'll never get passed. If right. they want, and they because they need sixty corporate tax increase. Yeah, they'd need sixty votes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they can't lose a single vote in the Senate, and uh, no more than four defections out of their two hundred and twenty member caucus in the House. Okay, that's for reconciliation. Um, and what they w- mm-hmm. right, right, uh, corporate tax increases in restructuring. Individual tax rate increases for high-income earners, the repeal of the cap on the state and local income tax deduction, uh, the free community college, free universal preschool, making permanent the Obamacare subsidies, uh, making permanent the child tax credit, uh, expanding funding for home and community-based services, prescription price negotiation, expansions of Medicare, Green energy incentives and traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they would have to, according to the par- parliamentarian, you're going to have to put all those things into a bill, and you're going to have to go through the regular legislative process. You can't do it through reconciliation. That's never going to happen. That's huge. I mean, there, there's no way they, they have no chance of getting 60 votes uh, for that type of package and this has been one of their big negotiation points which is to say oh you guys don't want a two trillion dollar infrastructure package okay we'll make it a six trillion dollar package and we'll just jam it through reconciliation Uh, that was their way of trying to threaten republicans to come along to their other package and uh, and certainly most of them wanted to just go ahead with it if they're getting pushback now and they're not going to be able to jam that through with 50 votes there's no chance it occurs 
And, you know, Chuck Schumer says, oh, yes. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> and she, again, is like, stop being such a bad boy, Chuck. You can't mm-hmm. do it. And if he decides to go through it, it will be a nuclear option. Never been done before. Uh, they have to vote against the parliamentarian uh, to be able to say she's a bad girl. She wanted to be disciplined. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think it's going to happen. How's that for sexy that was, economic talk? You did it. Yes. This is the Glenn Beck program. Let me talk to you a little bit about Stu's experience um, at um, at American Financing. Yeah, I've gone. I've worked with American Financing a couple times. The first time I went to them for a loan uh, for a house, and they basically said the type of loan you're looking for is not really what we do. Uh, if you could find that deal somewhere else, you should just take it. And so I did. Um, which you know, was, was I think thought of amazing. Stu is, yeah. is Hunter Biden light. Hunter Biden light. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little less crack, but not that much. Um, and then, <laughs> and then the second time I've got, gone to them, I went through. I shopped everywhere yet again. This time there was nobody even close to American Financing as far as the deal went, and it was able to lock that down very quickly, very easily. And you know it, what's interesting is you know they didn't try to push me into something that I wasn't comfortable with. They were able to give me a great deal, and you know they are super easy to work with. And it's not just because I'm on this stupid show; it's because this is the way they do business. They work for you, not the bank. It's American Financing. Uh, find out how much money you can save every month by visiting AmericanFinancing.net or calling eight hundred nine zero six twenty four forty. It's AmericanFinancing.net. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I have to uh, share with you some, I think, some disturbing news, uh, but news that you need to be aware of. It's the national strategy for countering domestic terrorism. What is it? Who's involved? What does it mean to you? Well, it means to you an awful lot of uh, trouble coming your way if everybody isn't really really smart and we don't stand up now it's only going to get harder to stand up and speak out we'll tell you about that and the fbi's apparent involvement in january 6th what glenn greenwald will explain in 60 seconds stand by So you sit there on your riding lawnmower, rolling slowly along, looking at over the vast plains that seem to stretch out forever. You could swear this yard was getting bigger every year. Overhead, the sun beats down on your head like a hammer at a forge. Off in the distance, you hear that weird Arabian music they always play in movies when someone's in a desert. You don't know water. You think, water. Then next door, Ted whizzes by on his hustler turf zero-turn lawnmower. He just finished his lawn. 
smile on his face is a smile of a man who's headed inside for water and air conditioning. Time to check out Hustler's new 2021 Raptor series, built for homeowners with less than three acres. Do yourself a favor. Have a glass of water and visit one of the over a thousand nationwide Hustler dealers and take a hassle-free test drive today. They'll help you select the right lawnmower for your application, uh, and they'll be there after the sell with the parts and the routine service. So find your local Hustler dealer today. HustlerTurf.com. Over a thousand nationwide. There's one close by you. HustlerTurf.com. There was a lot of talk last week, and uh, we need to pay attention to it. And I don't have an answer for you, but I do have questions for you. First of all, how is it that the group that used to hate the FBI, and quite honestly, still does hate the FBI, because they were the ones that were inflicting this uh, this racism on all of us. They were making sure that these racist laws were keeping the man down. Well, now it seems Democrats, 78% of them, love the FBI. 55% of Republicans don't. Now, why is that? Because we used to love the FBI. We don't trust them anymore. We don't trust the FBI because too many things are going on. And just when the trust of the FBI is being lost, Democrats, who hate supposedly oppression, big government, law enforcement, they love the FBI. The IRS, only 50% have a positive view of the IRS, 50% of Republicans. Damn near 70% of Democrats, 68%. Can I just ask you a non-political, who has a positive, who's like, you know what I really like? You know who I really like? Oh, those IRS agents, they are so great. I just, they are, I can't wait. I've had several of them over for dinner, uh, you know, after, after uh, you know, my anal probe that they did. I thought, you know, you guys are so great. Why don't you come on over for dinner? Who has that? The EPA, 66% of Democrats love the EPA, 52% of Republicans. The CIA, 62% of Republicans, 69% of the Democrats. All of these things are going up with Democrats. I thought you didn't like the big state. I thought, I, I thought it, I thought it was coming from the Marxist side that, uh, the CIA created AIDS. I mean, it's, certainly came from Russia. So why is it that everybody on the left is loving them so much? Because they have fallen into the clutches of the left. And no matter what anybody says, the left left loves the big state. Communism, socialism, Marxism, they love state. So now when... Someone comes out and says, hey, hang on just a second. Was the FBI involved at all in January 6th? The media immediately goes into full spin mode protecting the FBI. And 
talking to people like John Brennan, who is so very credible, um, about is there possibility that the FBI was involved? Well, let's take it from, well, let me take it from Glenn Greenwald. Because there's a couple of things that Glenn Greenwald pointed out on this this uh, report that came out from the Revolver News. The original report says Glenn Greenwald published by Revolver News and then amplified by Fox News's Tucker Carlson documented ample evidence of FBI infiltration of the three key groups at the center of the January 6th investigation: the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys. And the three presenters, uh, presenters noted how many alleged riot leaders from these groups have not yet been indicted, while low level protesters have been aggressively charged with major felonies and held without bail. Many of the alleged plot leaders have thus far been shielded from charges. So the first question is why? If those three the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters, why weren't the leaders of those groups charged? Why were just the low-hanging fruit? Why were they the only ones that got indicted? If it was something that was coming from these organizations officially. Glenn Greenwald says, the implications of these facts are obvious. It seems extremely likely that the FBI had numerous ways to know of any organized plots regarding the January 6th riot, just as the U.S. intelligence community, by its own admission, had ample advanced clues to the 9-11 attack, but according to their excuse, tragically failed to connect the dots. There is no doubt that the FBI has infiltrated at least some, if not all, of these groups, which it has been warning about for years that they pose a grave national security threat. With informants and or undercover FBI agents, it is known that the Proud Boy leaders, Enrique Taro, uh, has served as an FBI informant in the past, and the disrupted 2020 plot by the three percenters, the members that tried to kidnap Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer was shaped and driven by what the Wall Street Journal reported were FBI undercover agents and confidential informants. What would be shocking and strange is not if the FBI had embedded informants and other infiltrators into the groups planning the January 6th Capitol riot, What would be shocking and strange, bizarre and inexplicable, is if the FBI did not have those groups under trite control. And yet the suggestion that the FBI informants may have played some role in the planning of the January 6th riot was instantly depicted as something akin to the 9-11 truthers, the COVID uh, lab leak theory, which turns out to be true, the CIA's role in the assassination of JFK. This reaction is partly confounding given how often the FBI did exactly this during the first war on terror and how commonplace discussions of this tactic were in the mainstream liberal circles. Over the last decade, I reported, according to Glenn Greenwald, on countless cases for The Guardian and The Intercept where the FBI targeted some young American Muslims they viewed as easily manipulated 
due to financial distress, emotional problems, or both, and then deployed informants and undercover agents to dupe them into agreeing to join terrorist plots that that had been created, designed, and funded by the FBI itself, only then to congratulate themselves for breaking up the plot which they themselves initiated. As asked in one headline about this particularly egregious entrapment case, why does the FBI have to manufacture its own plots if terrorism and ISIS are such grave threats? Mother Jones even published, he says, an outstanding lengthy investigation by a reporter entitled The, Inf- uh, the Informations, which asked, FBI, the FBI has built a national uh, or a massive network of spies to prevent another domestic attack, but they are busting terrorist plots or are they leading them? He goes on to show story after short story where the FBI was getting into groups or creating groups and then targeting the most vulnerable, the the lowest on the ladder, and then involving them in some sort of a plot and then arresting. If this is true, and this is a pattern, which he says it is, then the FBI, why wouldn't they be doing that in the January 6th? Uh, attack on the Capitol. And there are several things that say that something is wrong here. For instance, there are thousands of hours of, uh, of videotape of surveillance. Why was the, sur- why have the surveillance tapes not been released? Now you could say it's because it shows some good things, but they would point out that it might show that the FBI or the local police were actually letting some of these people in also we know that the um that parlor alerted the fbi days before saying that there is something going on for january 6th why didn't the fbi move on that now they are talking about how the unindicted co-conspirators and this is the argument that is going back and forth uh with the media that uh, the unindicted co-conspirators are FBI agents, or maybe they're not FBI agents. We don't know, yada, 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 yada. And they're saying this is destroying the point of Tucker Carlson and the revolver and Glenn Greenwald. But he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't refer to FBI informants or operatives as unindicted co-conspirators. It it doesn't usually refer to FBI informants like that. However, numerous references to person one or person two could very well, indeed the case of the FBI-directed plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer, Whitmer, could list them this way. In the Whitmer case, it was CHS1, CHS2, confidential human source. That's how the FBI informants drove the plot to gov- uh, to uh, kidnap Governor Whitmer. That's how they were referenced. These are common tactics, says Glenn Greenwald, that they use to um, reference the acts of their own informants without revealing their identity. Now, he says, even if all of that doesn't play a role. 
He says there's a bigger question that has to be answered. And nobody seems to be asking this. How is it remotely credible the FBI did not have informants in these three groups that they've been identifying as major threats for years, especially given the reporting that the leader of the Proud Boys, conveniently arrested the day before January 6th, was an FBI informant in the past, along with the confirmed reporting that the FBI had multiple informants in the Michigan Three Percenters case. So if this is so crazy and the FBI was taken by surprise, why have they been saying this is so dangerous, but they haven't they don't have any informants inside? Why are the low level protesters being charged with major crimes while the alleged organizers of this riot and the leaders of these groups have not been charged? Why are the enormous amounts of video surveillance footage from January 6th still being held? What happened to the alleged planting of pipe bombs near the Capitol? Why did the FBI not take more aggressive action given the once denied but now confirmed fact that social media platform Parler sent the FBI advanced warnings of specific plots of the use of violence at the Capitol? So if the FBI had all of this information and did nothing, that's really important that we find out why. Is it another intelligence failure? I thought we corrected that with 9-11. Why did this happen? Why did their why were they informed and not do anything? Why did they say this was such a great these three groups are grave grave problems but they didn't have any intel on them. Those things don't make sense. And they could just be that the FBI sucks. It could also be there's something else going on. And I'll give you A story on that, which came from the White House last week in 60 seconds. When it comes time for you to put your house on the market, to buy a new house, or to do both things at the same time, a good real estate agent can be your best friend. And a bad one, or even a mediocre one, can be your worst enemy. That's because real estate work is serious business. It's not a game. You have a lot riding on this. This is the most important investment you've probably made or probably will make in your entire lifetime. If you're wanting to sell, you might be in a seller's market or a buyer's market, depending on where you live. The pressure to be able to um, get that that house sold for the most amount of money and the fastest time shouldn't fall on you. That falls on your real estate agent. Now, as you're going through that transaction, are you buying another house to move? And especially if you're moving across town or into a different, a different area entirely, you need a real estate agent that is really great at that market to make sure you're getting the right house in the right neighborhood, the right school district at the right price. That's why we started realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. Find the best real estate agent in your area that we think is the real estate agent that you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. 10 seconds, station ID.
Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Stu, you were saying? Okay. What's the, uh, what, how would you summarize the accusation here from, you know, uh, Glenn Greenwald and Tucker Carlson? Like, is the idea that essentially the FBI, uh, they had informants and they tried to dupe low-level people into starting this attack, like, like as he insinuates kind of with the Islamic terrorism cases in the past. And then it, they just allowed the, the January 6th thing to happen without preparing it to bust low-level members of these groups? Like, what, what, what's, the, what's the working theory so, here? I would say that that is the working theory. I'm, I'm not saying that that's a true theory. I right. don't know. But there's enough questions to be asked now um, because some things just don't make sense. And they do, allegedly, according to Glenn Greenwald and others, they have done this with low-level Muslims um, and, um, and, and, and people they, they deemed easy picking. Right. And so they've done it before. They did it with Gre- uh, Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmire, where they were involved in the planning of the kidnapping, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's kind of the chicken and the egg. Which one came first? Did the FBI come in and plant these seeds? Uh, or did the FBI come in and just watch it and play along and then grab them? Notable. Were they already doing that? It seems to me a notable difference between these situations is that the attack happened, right? Like the riot occurred where like if you're going to if you're going to lure and, so, and dupe in some low level Muslim terrorists into a fake terrorist attack, you don't actually blow up the building at the end. Right. And here. Like, there's this riot to take over the Capitol that was planned by some of them, and then they didn't actually, pl- they didn't plan to stop it Correct. in any way. So, they, are they, it, okay. the actual, you know, riot occurred. So, the, so the, the accusation there is, is, and it's not even an accusation, it's a question. Sure. Is there an element of the FBI that wanted this to happen allowed this to happen mm-hmm. um, to be able to come up with more, you know, a new Patriot Act, right, a right. new war on terror. That's the question that has to be answered uh, through the answering of the other questions. Like if this was the biggest threat and you guys said it, those three organizations, if they were such a threat, why didn't you stop it? Why did it happen? You had informants there. You had to have. And if you didn't, why didn't you? They should. They should have had it. So there for sure. They should have. And it's it's unreasonable to think that they didn't. Right. And if you were informed by Parler, why didn't you stop it? Is there a new war on terror? And the answer is, uh, yeah, it kind of looks it kind of looks like it. Now, I don't know about the FBI connection, but that's the way the White House is moving. And I'll tell you about the national strategy for countering domestic terrorism next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, we've always heard there's no free lunch in life. And there is definitely, definitely no free timeshares out there. The honest truth is most timeshares, they're simply not worth the money or the hassle you're going to have to put into them. And you probably know that by now. Because you've been unlucky enough to have bought into one. Well, I have good news. Timeshare Termination Team 
can talk to you about the specifics of your timeshare situation and create a step-by-step plan to get you out of it safely, legally, and permanently. They have an in-house legal team that will do the heavy lifting for you so you don't have to. They have the industry knowledge, the legal expertise that you need. They're veteran-owned. They treat their customers with the same loyalty and values the owners believe in when they started the the, uh, company. It's TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. And they're offering a special 20% off the cost of their services for all military veterans and active duty personnel and their families. Make sure you mention Glenn Beck and take advantage of the offer. 888-GET-YOU-OUT. 1-888-GET-YOU-OUT or TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Lots of great stuff going on Blaze TV this week. Don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off your subscription. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, something that happened last week that I believe everyone should read and understand. The White House has unveiled something called the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. It is uh, something that uh, is some sort of national level assessment on the threat posed and a prescription of how to deal with this domestic terror threat. This was written by White House people. This is not interagency. This is this is truly, I believe, a political paper in their introduction. uh, It defines what they're going after. Domestic terrorism is uh, not a new threat. To the United States, it has over centuries taken many American lives and spilled much American blood, especially in communities deliberately and viciously targeted on the basis of hatred and bigotry over the uh, Civil War and after. For example, the Ku Klux Klan waged a campaign of terror to intimidate black voters and their white supporters and deprive them of political power, killing and injuring untold numbers of Americans. The Klan and other white supremacists continued to terrorize black Americans and other minorities in the decades that followed. In recent years, we have seen a resurgence of this and related threats in one horrific incident after another. The shooting and killing of 23 people at a retail store in El Paso. The vehicular killing of a peaceful protester in Charlottesville. The shooting and killing of three people at a garlic festival in Gilroy. The arson committed at a mosque in Victoria, Texas. The appalling rise in violence and xenophobia directed against Asian Americans. And the surge in anti-Semitism and more. You'll never guess who bears all the responsibility for those things. And by the way, what happened to all of the... uh, What happened to all the shootings and everything else that happened over the summer? It's just mysteriously gone in this. Domestic terrorist attacks in the United States have also been committed frequently by opposing uh, our government institutions. In 1995, the largest single act of domestic terror in U.S. history, an anti-government violent extremist detonated a bomb at the Alfred Murrah Building in Oklahoma City, killing 168, including 19 children, and injuring hundreds of others. In 2016, an anti-authority violent extremist ambushed, shot, and killed five police officers in Dallas. You know what's really weird? That was at a BLM rally, but you won't find anything at uh, the uh, whitehouse.gov that is less than positive of BLM. 
In 2017, a lone gunman wounded four people at a congressional baseball practice. A lone gunman? Yes, he was alone, but it was politically motivated. He was a Bernie Sanders Marxist supporter. Months ago, January 6, 2021, Americans witnessed an unprecedented attack on its core institution of our democracy, the U.S. Congress. Well, it's not really unprecedented. In the 1980s, there was a bombing of Congress done by leftists. But why why uh, quibble over aspects of this? So they talked about how uh, the Department of Justice historically created and immediately focused on prosecuting and convicting hundreds of Klan members in connection with their vicious campaign of domestic terrorism. Yes, it was a Republican Congress and Republican administrations that did that. It was the Democrats that later came in and undid all those things. In the 1980s, Joint Terrorism Task Force is now a nationwide staple of federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial law enforcement cooperation against all forms of terrorism, were created to maximize information sharing and address the full range of terrorist threats, both domestic and international. While domestic terrorism roots and and elements of our response may be longstanding, domestic terrorism is persistent and evolving. And according to the U.S. intelligence community and law enforcement, elevated in the threat that it now proposes. That's why this national strategy for countering domestic terrorism provides an overarching approach to address today's manifestation of domestic terrorism threat, as well as the evolving forms that the threat may take in the years ahead. Let me just skip to uh, page 11 here, if I can. I think this paragraph is is really uh, interesting. Uh, Their approach to... um, to address domestic terrorism, we will build a community to address domestic terrorism that extends not only across the federal government, but also to the government's critical partners. That includes state, local, tribal, and territorial governments. Okay. As well as foreign allies. Okay. And partners in civil society. Uh, the technology sector, wait a minute, academia, and more. Domestic terrorism and the factors that contribute to it pose a challenge best tackled by a set of interlocking communities that can contribute information, expertise, analysis, and more to addressing this multifaceted threat. Oh, okay. With the right orientation and partnerships, the federal government can energize, connect, and empower those communities, communities whose input was critical to the formulation of this strategy itself. So did you talk to the people in tech? Did you did you talk to Facebook about this and Google? Because that's what that says here. Did you go to academia and say, hey, can you report on the on the students that are that are maybe concerning you that they're not all for this, you know, this evolution of of Marxism in America? Is that hmm? they will focus specifically on violence and factors that contribute to it while respecting civil rights, civil liberties and privacy protections? Oh, okay. All right, so they're going to somehow or another uphold the Bill of Rights while violating the Bill of Rights. 
okay. Well, they will recognize them uh, and maximize the positive benefits of modern communica- communications technology, such as the Internet. Oh, well, that sounds great, too, doesn't it? Now, they have four pillars on this. They need to get gather the information and enhance the the way the government can gather information and then do some research and analysis on those things. Then improve the information sharing across all levels within and as well outside of the federal government with their tech and academia partners. Then they're going to illuminate transnational aspects of domestic terrorism. Wow, that would have been nice if we would have had that while we were dealing with Muslim extremism. (laughs) They're going to strengthen domestic terrorism prevention, resources, and services. Well, with their international partners and their Internet partners, that's just not going to be hard to, to prevent domestic terrorism. I mean, the FBI did such a great job on January 6th, didn't they? What could possibly go wrong here? They're also going to start to go after voices that they say are um, online terrorists. Now, I know what a terrorist is. Stu, are you pretty clear that you know what a terrorist is? I would say... I do know, but my guess is I have a different definition than maybe some others. My guess is that, too. Recruiting and mobilizing individuals to domestic terror occurs in many settings, both in person and online. And these activities are happening on Internet-based communications, including social media, online gaming platforms, file upload sites, and end-to-end encrypted chat platforms even as those products and services frequently offer other important benefits. The widespread availability of domestic terrorist recruitment material online is a national security threat whose front lines are overwhelmingly private sector online platforms, and we are committed to informing more effectively the escalating efforts by these platforms to secure those front lines. Oh, well, that's great. And they're going to do that while ensuring your right to free speech. <laughs> this is this is the beginning of uh, of a trap. It is also a beginning of a fundamentally different America, one that the federal government believes that it can partner with social media and Google and gather information on you and all those that talk to you. For instance, Google has been putting together a uh, an algorithm that shows those people who disagree with critical race theory. And if you disagree with it or if you say something derogatory about it, well, then your name is put on a list, but also all those that follow you because you may have infected them. There are no secrets anymore. And the only ones that have secrets that are protected are those that are in power. And they are using our social media and our connections with each other and their new twisted view of what an extremist is 
An extremist is today is somebody who says, you know, the Juneteenth thing, it, it's fine. It's a great holiday. I'm in Texas. I like the holiday, um, but it's not a replacement for July 4th. And what happened over the weekend was insulting and so, so sub-American. If that's what you want to do to celebrate freedom, I'm sorry, I'm going to stick to my hot dog and fireworks on July 4th. It's disgusting. That doesn't denigrate the meaning behind Juneteenth that Texas put in a long time ago. It's a great holiday, but it's not the 4th of July. That makes you an extremist today. That makes you an extremist. And so you're listening to this broadcast now. If you have Alexa, they know you're listening to this broadcast now. If you're online listening to us, they know you're listening to it. If you comment on anything that I ever post or comment, you know, referring to any of the things we talked about, you're also on a list. But they're going to ensure your right to free speech. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. By the way, uh, while the president was off at the G7 summit doing only God knows what, you know, besides embarrassing us. While he was at the G7 uh, summit, the White House also released a new little hotline. Now, this is the third time it's been tried. And both times Americans have stood up against it and it went away. This time, I don't think it's going to. And will Americans stand against it? The, the new little hotline is to report neighbors and family that you think might be extremists. Now, how many of us have a family member who hates our guts, or we hate their guts, I hope to God not, that think this person is so dangerous, this person is just dangerous? How many people look at their family members who are Trump supporters and say they're off, they're rocker, they're insane, They're on the road to domestic extremism. I can guarantee a lot. Now the federal government is asking you to turn in your family members and your neighbors. This is not American. This is what happened in East Germany. And it must be stopped by you speaking out. You must speak out. And for God, God help us. We cannot turn each other in or we will lose everything it means to be an American. Okay, our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. According to a recent study, 330 million people across 10 countries have been victims of cybercrime in just the past 12 months. Oh, uh, I'm... Another 55 million have actually had their identity stolen. All of this costs you, the victim, money, but it also takes up a lot of time. Cybercrime victims collectively spent almost two and a half billion hours trying to resolve their issues. Now, I don't know about you, but that number makes me feel a little uncomfortable because I don't know what to do. If I'm targeted, I don't know what to do. Do you? This is where the real value of LifeLock is. 
Nobody can prevent everything that's going on because it's constantly involve, evolving. However, LifeLock, if they detect a threat, they not only send you alert, but if something bad happens, you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. So they're really the ones that are guiding you all the way, and you spend very little time on trying to get your good name back. It's LifeLock. LifeLock.com. LifeLock.com. Get 25% off your first year if you use the promo code BECK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. We'll continue more on uh, the new strategy by the White House for domestic terror um, in the coming days. But I just wanted to give you outline just a couple of things that that document includes identifying anyone uh, who has a position of trust within the federal workforce and rooting them out if their ideology is uh, is deemed unfit, finding novel approaches for prohibiting militia activity, taking away assault weapons Keeping firearms out of dangerous hands. Monitoring and controlling online communications and speech that be considered incitement. Countering misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories. That is what the White House is planning on doing. How does the Republic survive with an administration that believes they have the power to do those things? Are you prepared for the next prolonged food shortage in America? Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to show you tomorrow night on TV an amazing, uh, amazing problem with uh, food and the processing plants here in America. You don't want to miss that. The harsh truth is the actions you take today will determine how you survive tomorrow. Please get a life-saving four-week kit from my Patriot Supply. They're offering now 25% off a four-week emergency food kit for my Patriot Supply. It lasts for up to 25 years, provides you with a much-needed 2,000 calories uh, a day, and it's really, really good food. All you have to do is go to preparewithglenn.com right now. You will save 25% off the bare minimum you should have a four-week food kit. You don't have one yet, Please do this now. Don't wait until it's too late. Act. Go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We have a lot yet in this final hour to uh, go over. We're going to go over the real news uh, about about crime and what's happening in America. I know, I know the Biden administration said this, all this crime, all these murders going up. It's really the police's fault. Oh, is it the police? It's their fault. The police officer. Ha! Huh. 
Who would have seen that one coming from the uh, left? We have the truth on those statistics coming up. Also, just another reason to just love our vice president. Oh, and this one is a special present to the left. We begin in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. American Financing is a place that I have talked uh, many times about for several years. And in fact, it's a it's an organization that uh, Stu has used several times when when he's tried to do his kind of Joe Biden schemes. And they're like, I, uh, no, Joe Biden, Jr. I don't think we can help you on that. Look, I don't um, think any of this but, is supported by evidence. I just want to make sure that's clear on the air. Yeah, I know. And I was just selling art. What do you mean? So, so the guy who bought the five hundred thousand dollar piece of Joe Biden or, uh, or or Hunter Biden art ended up in the Oval Office. What? What? He's just a Ukrainian gas man. That's all he is. He loves art. Anyway, uh, so you had these these uh, schemes uh, of trying to. Scheme the wrong word? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's the wrong word. I wanted an unconventional Uh loan, is what I would say. Um, (laughs) One that maybe wasn't recommended by all the experts. And uh, so I brought that to American Financing, and they said, "Eh, maybe this, uh, why don't you, if you really want that type of loan, you might want to go with somebody else. They actually said, go ahead, you know, take it from somebody else. Now, I will say. Take it. If you can, (laughs) hey. Hey, if the big black Cadillac shows up in your front yard and he's like, listen, I got a trunk load of loans here for you. You take that one. You and, take that one. And at the end of the call, he said, but, if, you, if you're if um, you okay with it, let's let's never acknowledge we talked. And I thought that was a weird way to end the call. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wound up financing uh, another um, uh, house uh, after this with them. And, and they gave me a great deal. I couldn't find anything like it anywhere else. And it's not because, you know, <sighs> you know I talk on this stupid show every day. They do this for people all over the country and we've heard so many people in our audience yeah. get deals like this from american financing because they treat yeah. you like an adult which is nice yeah and they also don't work for the banks they work for you so go to americanfinancing.net americanfinancing.net 800-906-2440 american financing nmls 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Here it is summertime, when you can pile into the station wagon with your whole family. Oh, the days of punch buggy and he's touching me, he's touching me. Oh, I look back on those days like they'll never return, which they won't. But uh, wow, was the, those were the glory days. Just went on um, just a little jaunt. Uh, to uh, drive to a uh, a cousin's wedding or a nephew's wedding. And uh, I brought the kids. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then we thought, wouldn't it be nice, since we're going to be in Wyoming anyway, to drive back and go through the park? I mean, when was the last time we went to Yellowstone? Answer, for everybody else in the family, never. Me, Back in the 80s, seen it, it's nice, let's move on with our lives. But I would have been a little more forceful had I realized, oh, things have changed since the 1980s. I know, hard to believe. 
first of all, first question for the entire state of Wyoming. Where do you buy milk, gum, or gas? I went about 300 miles without seeing anything. Safety tip. When you see a gas station and you're going into Wyoming, stop. Put extra gas into your pants pockets if you have to, because it's going to be a long, long time before you see anything resembling a gas station. It was like, uh, I don't know, we, we were about... 300 miles into it, and uh, the truck was like, I'm not going to make it much longer. And we see this, 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 this big sign just says gas. Doesn't say a brand, which should have been our first tip-off. Just rising over the horizon just says gas. Well, our second tip-off should have been that it just said ga, because the S was broken out. Uh, when we got to the ga, station there was no gas or gas or station there was nothing but a sign now i went through several towns of about oh thriving metropolises of 30 people and i wanted to knock on the doors and say where do you get your milk are you hiding these stores just over the next hill off of the highway because i know you have to go to a store Everybody's got to get something and you're not driving 300 miles. This is something to keep tourists out of your state. And I respect you for that. However, for those of us just traveling by, could you throw in a gas station from time to time? So we go through probably one of the more ugly parts of, um, of uh, Wyoming, which is the southern part of Wyoming. It looks like you landed on the moon if you didn't have the lovely view of space. Uh, and uh, so we're driving. We're driving through the beautiful, just beautiful parts on the way out. Um, we're almost I mean, there were giant signs that said uh, deer crossing, cow crossing, antelope crossing. When they say, uh, you know, where the deer and the antelope run, they mean run. Okay, and if you are driving your car, you should probably stop. I'm just saying you should probably stop because they'll look at you and they'll see your car going one direction and then they're going another direction. But for some strange reason, the minute they see you, they're like, I've got to cross the road. It's fantastic. So it's like a little sport that you play all the way. You're kind of the wheel of death. Which one or how many of us in this car are going to die because we've just hit a moose. So we're uh, we're driving. We do get gas um, from this. It was from this very strange gas station. The guy who was working inside, he introduced himself as Midnight. I said, hello, Midnight. It's good to see you. You're the first person I've seen in what seems like days. Uh, he was very delightful and, and helpful. Uh, but somebody had just brought a truckload of beehives through the gas station and apparently they were kind of shimmying out or at least the tops were so the gas pumps those that worked were swarming with bees now this should have been the the indication that we should turn around and go home you know what i mean this is not going but instead i got in and i said hey kids it's the griswold family vacation 
Little did I know how true that would become. So we go to Sheridan, which is this beautiful, great town in, uh, I think, northeastern Wyoming. I don't know. I didn't look at a map. I just listened to the lady going, turn here at your nearest convenience. Turn around, butthead. What are you thinking? You missed the turn. So I didn't really look at a map. So I don't know exactly where Sheridan is, but it was in a beautiful part by the Bighorn Mountains, which is tremendous. If you ever get a chance to go there, go there. When tr- when teleportation becomes the thing, everybody's going to go there. They're going to love it. Um, but uh, so we went there. We stayed a couple of days, had a wonderful time. Great wedding, blah, blah, blah. We oh, by the way, did I tell you I was traveling with uh, my son, my daughter, my uh my nephew and five of my son's friends <laughs> teenage boy they are so much fun to be around so we get back into the car at six o'clock in the morning and the teenagers do what teenagers now do which is either just zone everybody out and they're on their computer uh or if you're lucky enough to be in a place where there is no communication, gas stations, or people, they sleep. And, you know, mom and dad are in the front going, you guys should wake up. This is quite amazing scenery. And they all wanted to go, no, I got to sleep because I want to I wanna see the park. <laughs> okay. So we go to the park. Well, first of all, the reason why it says that it takes you like two and a half hours longer uh, than going around the park, which is a, a a big way to go all the way around the park. reason why it says it takes you about two hours is because little did I know the speed limit there with only four roads and it's just one lane each direction for hundreds of miles. Uh, the uh, speed limit there is 35 miles an hour. And um, we're very, very clear. Uh, And for those people who didn't go 35 miles an hour because they were looking for buffalo or bear, it's the middle of the day. You're not going to see them. Maybe a buffalo because they don't care. They're out all the time. They eat. Uh, And if you get close enough with your camera, they'll kill you. And I was actually rooting for the buffalo several times. Um, but, uh, so everybody's parked on the sides of the road and it's just, it's really convenient. And we decided we're going to go the extra long way because you can't be this close and not see old faithful. Let me just tell you this. If you're ever with somebody and they're your guide and they say, you're this close, you have to see old faithful, kill them. I don't say dismiss them. I say, kill them. It will be better without them in your life. I don't care who said it. Could be your husband. Could be your wife. Kill them. In this case, it would have been me. Because I've seen Old Faithful before. And I looked at my wife and I said, it's 19 miles away. Translation, an hour. Uh, And it's really cool. Because, you know, you get to see the largest, you know, log structure in the world, which get over it. Uh, and you get to see something that smells like dirty farts uh, going up in the air, you know, 100 or so feet. And uh, it happens every 90 minutes, and it's really exciting. Gee, I hope we didn't miss it, which we just did. Uh, so we, uh, 
we go off and and it takes us uh, an hour to get there and then parking which you couldn't park the only place we could park was um in the gas station which was conveniently located thank god in the park uh and i don't really call it parking i call it more of filling your tank so if they put a bunch of gas stations around Old Faithful, more people could see it. But I'm not sure if that's true because there were about 10,000 people there. Now imagine, imagine the fun of a Disney park in August when they've shut down the park because there's already too many people and it's around noon. Now think of the line without a fast pass. Uh, to go to Space Mountain, except it's not Space Mountain. It's just the bathroom or the frickin' gift shop. I stood in line at a gift shop, and I thank the Lord Jesus and all of the Holy Family that I married a woman with enough sense that when I was standing in the line for the gift shop to get into the gift shop, let alone the line inside, and God forbid, the line at the stupid cashier where you're buying crap you don't want, you'll never use, the kids will probably break it or lose it by the time you get home, but you have that great memory of standing like an hour and a half in line to buy that thing that you'll never see again. Oh, the joy of that. So, you're in line for Space Mountain, except Space Mountain is the gift shop. And you're outside without any shade. And and there's no happy music. Uh, there's no line distractions or line control. It's just people out in the middle of a freaking forest waiting to buy some crap that was made in China that makes you feel all American. We didn't get a chance to see Old Faithful. Because it had blown just before we got to the gas station where we were temporarily parking our cars. And there were about 10,000 people around it. The traffic getting out of that, uh, well, park, death camp, whatever you want to call it, uh, was just as delightful. Just as delightful. Um, but that's not where it ended. That's not where it ended. Uh, I'll tell you about a little bit more of it in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Goldline. Tomorrow, I'm going to be telling you uh, what's going to happen to the dollar. Uh, I'm going to give you um, a likely scenario based on the Fed's own writings and uh, what the government is doing right now on how this is going to end for everybody who is unprepared. And it's not good, but you will be better for knowing it because you'll be able to be prepared. One of the things, and this is really one of the things that you can do to prepare, is to buy precious metals, physical gold, physical silver. Do not buy an ETF. Do not, Hey, you're going to love that paper when they can't dish out all that gold. It'll be great. Um, you need something that is um, based in reality based in something that uh, the world always returns to, based in something that is not based, uh, you know, on the mark of the beast. I'm just saying, right now, you can use funds for uh, your self-directed IRA purchases. 
use funds from a qualified TSP, 401k, IRA, or other retirement accounts. They're waiting to hear from you now. Call Goldline at 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You might be eligible to receive 6% in free metals with qualifying self-directed IRA purchases this week. So go to goldline.com, 1-866-GOLDLINE. 10 seconds, station ID. From the Standing Rock Ranch in uh, in beautiful Idaho, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, I want to thank our new sponsor, 1540 KXEL in uh, Waterloo, Cedar Rapids. My mom was from Cedar La- Rapids. Uh, I don't know where she lived. I've never been there, but she always spoke highly of it. Uh, and so we have that connection here, I think. If you're just listening to the show for the first time, just know you're going to hate it. You'll hate me for a while. And then you go numb inside, and uh, you'll start to really appreciate it. Um, I'm just saying, you'll probably end up on a list. Welcome to the program, 1540KXEL in Waterloo, Cedar Rapids. So, Stu, have you ever been to uh, to uh, Yellowstone? No, and uh, now I know I never will. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. Um you know, because I was pulling out, and so my kids were upset uh, that, you know, they were even on a trip, and then they uh, didn't get to see Old Faithful, and it's hot, and they're hungry, and they're tired, uh, and they don't have any self, uh, cell phone service. So at this point, you're begging, you're looking for a bear to come in and eat you or the family, preferably all of us. Uh, just eat us. Uh, you know, there are all these signs. Stay away from bears. I'm like, if I see one, I'm running directly into his mouth. Um, but uh, so you got that going uh, for you. And then you have that thing that happens uh, with married couples. You know, if you're very, very fortunate to where your wife is mad at you, but you have no idea why. Mm. And mm. it probably stems around. You were the one that got up and said, Hey, we should leave early and uh and let's make this road trip and then it's not everything that anyone ever promised, although it is exactly what I promised. Mm. Um and so you got that extra je ne sais quoi happening with you and your wife, which is delightful. It's such a terrible missed a- uh, opportunity too because if you had just yeah. shown up a little earlier, you would have been able to see water go into the sky. Imagine, yeah, how, yeah, great, yeah, exciting. Have, uh, it really is. I, you know, I recommend if you anybody in your family says, "Hey, let's go to Yellowstone and see Old Faithful." Here's what I want you to do, because you know you get to see the animals and you get a you get the whole experience of the outdoors and Old Faithful and everything else. This is what you do. I want you to go take your kids. You go into a convenience store. You buy a, ca- a pack of Camel cigarettes. You you take one out, you light it up, and you inhale it, and then you hold it there. You hold it in your lungs. Then you just throw this cigarette down on the ground or whatever, and you open up a bottle of water. You then, while you're still holding the smoke in your lungs, you fill your mouth full of water. Then, as you spit that at your children and the smoke comes out with it, mm-hmm. I want you to release the biggest, most 
noxious gas fart you can come up with. Mm-hmm. Then throw the pack of camels at the kids. They have the animal experience. They've seen the water and the smoke, and they smell the sulfur, which is, oh my gosh, I go to a park, and that's what I want to smell, <laughs> is the sulfur. Uh, so you got all that going. Oh, but by the way, then you have to stand in line uh, to pay for some over overpriced crap that nobody really, really wants. It's great. Mm. Oh, and the gas. Oh, was that fun, stopping at the gas station when you could find one, stopping at the gas station in and paying just delightful prices in the park. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Forest Ranger. I grew up thinking Forest Rangers was nice because of stinking Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. That's a lie, too. Anyway, if you haven't joined uh, AMAC, uh, there are three reasons why you should head over to AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck, and join right now. First of all, they are the the foremost uh, leader in advocacy for conservatives now on multiple fronts. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, has participated in over a thousand personal meetings with congressional leaders, uh, ensuring that your voice is heard on issues like freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and religious freedom. Uh, they push back against everything that is going on right now. They have over a quarter of a million AMAC members who have directly participated in AMAC's outreach campaigns to Congress. So Congress hears your vote, your voice, but also it is a source of uncensored information. Newsletters, videos, podcasts, fresh website content, a bi-monthly magazine. It's all at AMAC. AMAC. A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck. Join them now. AMAC dot U-S slash Beck. Back this week, Stu Does America and Glenn TV. Don't miss it with your Blaze TV subscription. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks. This is the Glenn Beck program. I want to play some audio here on June 9th. A father in Illinois went to a school board meeting and ranted about the use of critical race theory in schools. Now, this is notable for a couple of reasons. One, if he's opposing critical race theory being taught to children, he must hate black people. And two, it's difficult for him to be accused of hating black people because he is black. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. When we think about critical race theory, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? When you say the word critical, what comes to your mind when you think about the word critical? I have two degrees in medicine. You know what critical means to us? Critical means that the person is almost getting ready to die or they most surely will die. So when you say critical race theory, you might think of it in the sense of, oh, this information is critical that they know as of the upper important. But when I think about critical race theory, I think about critical as in this is getting ready to kill something or kill somebody. Yeah, I mean, we went on to, so to, this went, to really explain yeah, was, how... How can he be oppressed if he's got two medical degrees? Who's oppressing Correct. him? Well, well, the the left, uh, you know, did their best to discredit him, trying to pick apart his educational history, which is interesting and uh, predictable um, because you know they say this guy has been kept down by the white man. You have to show that he hasn't accomplished anything, and that puts the left into an awkward position of attempting to destroy the reputation of a black man in order to keep their narrative. 
that they are for the black man. It's a very awkward thing, but awkward really is what the left is good at, I think. They're really good at that. It's true. What they are absolutely not good at is protecting black lives. That does not seem to be an interest at all for them. They don't care about black lives. They're like 973rd on their priority list, and that's behind money and power and, I believe, vacation homes, depending on... On right. the district. Well, and, and Juneteenth, a holiday they had never heard of uh, <laughs> until just recently. But that's just us. So we're just evil conservatives saying those things. I mean, you have to look at the data. And the data, of course, shows, well... Something very clear. Shows. So there's a new study yeah. out, um, not being talked about that much in the media, from the Social Science Research Network. It's authored by a PhD student in economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Guy's name is Travis Campbell. He decided to look back at Black Lives Matter as a movement and try to quantify how well it actually did. He studied BLM from its birth in 2013 to 2019. Now, of course, this does not include does not include the terrible race riots that went on last year uh, and the violent uh, nonsense that went around the entire country. But it looked at the situation. So none of that is included. No. None that, of that is included. That got year it, was not included it. at all. So this is just from like the uh, very beginnings of it. And they basically looked at it and they said, okay, we know that some areas had lots of BLM protests against police violence, and we know many did not. So if BLM was a positive force in stopping police violence, then you would expect that the areas with the protest would see that type of violence go down, right? Right. And did uh, that happen? Well, before we answer, you should know that the author of this uh, paper does not appear to be uh, exactly a conservative in any way. What? Uh, I mean, it is the University of Massachusetts Amherst. They might not be burning witches anymore <laughs> in Massachusetts, but Salem is just a couple of hours away. And I'm pretty sure conservatives are more flammable than witches. So, so, so wait a minute. Know. So did the study, <laughs> did they find that the BLM protest led to a decrease in officers committing homicides against civilians? Yes. Yes or no? It actually did, yes. Um, but stay with me for a second here. This is a quote from the study. Estimates suggest that census places with BLM protests experienced a 15 to 20 percent decrease in police homicides from 2014 to 2019. It's about oh. a 300 fewer police homicides. This fall in lethal use of force fell over time and became prominent when protests were large or frequent. Okay. So well, that's good. It's good, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, more yeah. BLM protests lead to less police homicides. Case closed, right? Well, mm-hmm. first right. of all, yes. we have to examine the term police homicides for a second. As oh, you, this is where you always go wrong and try to get sticky and I, I, tricky. Yeah, okay. So was, let's look into the term. How do they define it? We've seen so many TV shows with homicide in it that you just assume murder when you hear the word homicide. But homicide is not a murder. It is a word that gives the impression to the average person that you're talking about a murder or an unjust killing. But the legal definition of homicide is the killing of a human being due to an act or omission of another included among homicides are murder and manslaughter but not all homicides are a crime particularly when there is a lack of criminal intent so the study doesn't measure unjust uses of police force it measures uses of force generally some of which most of which are entirely justified 
For example, one of the sources they use for the study is a database on police shootings in the Washington Post, which indicates 999 people were shot and killed by police in 2019. Of course, of those 999 people, it's important to note, because of this context, that only 251 were black. That's 25%. In that group of black people killed by police are David Anderson and Francine Graham, both black and both needlessly gunned down by police immediately following their visit to a kosher store in Jersey City where they killed three people, which followed their murder <laughs> okay. of a police officer right. who was questioning them oh. about another murder that was uh, that occurred a week <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so I would say those okay. are justified. Yeah. Um, All right. Yes. Okay. So it's true, Glenn. Police did kill two black people that day as they were in the middle of an active shooter spree where they were targeting Jews in support of their black Israelite ideology. So I'm going to give that one a ranking of completely justified. Yeah, 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 whatever. I still stand by the study found BLM protests associated with 300 less deaths by police over six years. And you have to ask yourself, Stu, why? Why? Why did that happen? Well, there's several possibilities. And I will say Vox actually covered some of this uh, to their credit. Uh, They were one of the only Mm -hmm. ones who did. Uh, In the study, they say, first, uh, what was the reasoning for the less less police homicide, fewer police homicides? First, uh, they observed an increase in the use of body cameras in different types of community policing. It's possible that in response to BLM protests, police departments implemented Mm -hmm. reforms like uh, body cameras that reduced the lethal, lethal use of force. Um, look, to me, there's no one who benefits more from body cameras than the police themselves because they actually are able to tell Correct. the truth about what happened. Um, but as Vox mm-hmm. notes, there's not really convincing data that that would occur for the uh, account for these differences. So the second mechanism is that civilians are becoming more wary of the police in the aftermath of these protests and the publicizing of instances of police homicides. That could mean that people call 911 or uh, less or engage uh, with police officers less on their own volition, which has the effect of reducing civilian police interactions and thereby fatal interactions as well. Okay. All right. So wait a minute. So people are more scared of the police. So they're not calling the police when they have, when they have something because they're afraid that somebody's going to get shot because you look, she was just trying to bash her head in. That's all she was. (laughs) That's right. all she was trying to do. She just had a knife pointed and, at her uh, chest, and, they, and, uh, and she, <laughs> we right, shouldn't call the police. Right. These are just okay. kids having another okay. knife fight, Glenn. It's no big deal. Sure, <laughs> sure. Any other reason? Okay, yeah. And this <laughs> one I think is the mo- the one that connects with me the most. But finally, the third mechanism is something called the Ferguson effect: the supposition that protests against police brutality reduce officer morale and effort due to the intensified scrutiny from the uh, community and media. In other words. Officers stop doing their jobs as aggressively. This can lead to reduce, oh. reduced arrests, especially for less serious crimes like disorderly conduct or marijuana possession. Okay, so the police are tired of being called genocidal maniacs, so they're just not getting involved as much. I guess that's the third mechanism, which sounds delightful, too. So let's take all of this at face value. 300 less police homicides, but remember... The overwhelming majority of these quote-unquote homicides are justified. So the police aren't around to take those people out. 
and they don't want to get involved in nasty situations. Yeah, that's it. And how do those situations play out? Right. Like, what if the police aren't around to take out the evil criminals? What happens? Well, the study looked into that, too. And what it found, I think, would shock most people, maybe not in this audience, but most people. The results indicate that civilian homicides, civilian homicides increased by 10% following protests, exceeding the fall in lethal force due to the relative frequency. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that says, yes, 300 fewer people were killed by police, but a lot more people were killed by civilians because the police weren't around. Right. Is that, do I have that right? Yes. Okay, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, police shootings went down, but murders by civilians went up, way up. From This is from the study. From 2014 to 2019, there were somewhere between 1,000 and 6,000 thousand more homicides than would have been expected if places with protests were on the same trend as places that did not have protests okay i just want to make sure i have this right (laughs) 300 homicides which might have been justified might not have been okay let's just take all of them were just bad cops 300 they traded the 300 for anywhere between 1,000 and 6,000 people being killed? <laughs> yes. Because that sounds like a good deal. It, it sounds does. like a good deal. It does. Good negotiation here. And we, of course, know because of the racial makeup of these areas that these one to 6,000 additional people who were murdered were disproportionately black. Do black lives matter? I'm, I'm, I don't understand exactly. I, 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 shooting shooting a, uh, an unarmed black man who's completely innocent is obviously terrible. But trading every police is, shooting saved for somewhere between three and 20 murders of civilians is not exactly what I would call Black Lives Mattering. It sounds like something designed is, in a lab by the KKK. No, no. No, no, no. This is unintended consequences. Hmm. This is what happens when you just don't think things through and it's unintended consequences. Too. That's all this is. I, I really don't. I don't think that that's true, uh, Glenn. And I will say. No, really? You know, you look at this and you say the overwhelming majority of the police shootings are justified, including people who were on active shooting sprees. They're including in these numbers. And you're trading that for three to 20 times the amount of people that are dead. Vox sums up the study. And to their credit, they did actually show some of these results about BLM causing more black lives to end prematurely. But they included this bit which I think after hearing the the details of the study sounds controversial. They say this, protests can do a lot. They can raise awareness, create solidarity, or undermine existing relationships, change public opinion, strengthen or weaken institutions, and affect the outcome of elections. But according to this study, BLM protests also produce their intended effect. I mean, I think that sounds nuts, right? I mean... What do you mean by intended effect? Three to 20 times as many people were murdered than saved, and you say they produced their in- intended effect. But I think when you think about it in context, they're right. The BLM protests did produce their intended result. It's just that their intended result yes. had nothing to do with protecting black lives. It had to do exactly with, right. as you said, power, money, uh, new vacation homes. And as we all know, all of this has come to the BLM founders and allies in record numbers. Trading one criminal for 20 innocent people wasn't like the plan per se, but it's like the cost of doing business. Sure, people died, but hey, elections were won. 
donations poured in. Real estate transactions were completed. So I fully agree. BLM protests do produce their intended effect. But maybe it's about time we start questioning those intentions. More in just a second. First, uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Our sponsor is Relief Factor. I'm not even going to do a commercial for Relief Factor. I'm going to let the commercial do itself. You've heard me talk about it. You know it's not a drug. 70% of the people who take it go on to order more. You've heard all that. You heard me read testimonials. But here's one that you might not have known about those testimonials. There are 10,000 testimonials. That's why I can read a different one every day. 10,000, and they are unsolicited. We're not calling out to get the testimonials. These are people who are just writing in and saying, I have to tell you, this has changed my life. 10,000 unsolicited testimonials. So 10,000 people have taken the time to written in without being asked to, to talk about how their, their pain has gone away because of relief factor. What about you? How'd you like to have your pain gone? How would you like to be impacted so much by something that you have to write? You have to write in and say, I just have to tell you how great this is without ever being asked. Today's the day to find out. I want you to go to relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com or call 800-583-84. 800-583-84. It's relieffactor.com. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So I've just, uh, in the break, I've been trying to look up uh, the Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming because I believe that John D. Rockefeller uh, took some of his ill-gotten goods. What a robber baron he was. Mm. <sighs> and oil money. Nothing good has ever happened to the planet because of him. Anyway, um, I think he bought most of the Grand Teton Forest which is now a national park, and gave it to um, the United States. Uh, he did that, Acadia National Park, the Great Smoky Mountains, and the Virgin Islands. Uh, he just bought and just gave uh, to us. But, you know, no big deal. But as I'm looking at this, um, uh, I, can't, I can't find, you know, I can go to learn about the park. And then it says news, photos, multimedia, history, and culture. All right, so I go to history and culture, and I can only find the cultural history, uh, the, the, the rich cultural history that goes back 10,000 years. I can't really find anything about who took the national park and made it a national park. I, I can't find out anything about John D. Rockefeller other than he made significant contributions to our national parks, and that's why, uh, you know, thousands of miles of road uh, named after him and uh, and exist but I can't find any of that information at the this government the website why mm-hmm. 